Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me for this 100th episode of Trad Queen Story Hour. It's been a crazy 100 episodes. I feel like we just started this yesterday, but I've learned a lot along the way. And I have so enjoyed chatting with you guys throughout these live streams. So hopefully this is something we can continue for the next 1000 episodes and grow slowly along the way. That's the strategy anyway. So today's poll is about food because our first article is also about food. And I kind of want to touch on this because this is an op- uh, a subject of great interest to me. Um, when I was in my teens and then again when I was in my 20s, I lost a bunch of weight and actually kept it off for quite a while, especially when I was, you know, in my 20s. Um, and by paying close attention to what I ate, I started to notice a lot of issues with the average American diet. Now, I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to that, which is awesome. Um, but I saw this article today and I found it really interesting. So we're going to look at it a little bit. Warning chocolate lovers, ultra processed foods might make you depressed, a study claims. Eating burgers, chocolate, and ham could make you depressed, says the study. Brazilian researchers quizzed students' eating habits and mental health. Okay, so first of all, they're students. Second of all, this is a very small study with only 1,000 participants, but there might be something to it. A dietitian says there is a very weak evidence to suggest a link to depression. Well, I think it's safe to say that we should probably eliminate most of these super processed foods pretty much 99% of the time that we're eating something. It should not be processed. Um, Andy and I probably eat processed stuff a little more re- frequently recently, but we tend to eat very little processed stuff. We tend to eat like simple ingredient meals and we are an ingredient household. So when you open the fridge, there's not really snacks. There's like a bunch of ingredients and then you have to make something with them. But I really do think it's better that way. All right. So depression rates are roughly 80% higher in people who eat the most ultra processed foods their study found. So I think what they might not be taking into account is all of the other various lifestyle factors that come into play when someone is eating a very ultra processed diet. If you're eating an ultra processed diet, you probably don't really care about your working out or about your personal hygiene or all that kind of thing, because you're probably very busy, especially if you're a student or you actually are already depressed. So one of the things that they may not be taking into account here is that it might not be a cause of depression, but an effect that people are eating highly processed foods. Now, this is all just a theory on my part too. I didn't actually conduct this theory. I'm just spitballing here, but let's see what they say. This includes chocolate, crisps, biscuits, ice cream, cake, and ready meals. So because this is a British site, I'm going to assume they mean potato chips when they say crisps, weirdos, cookies when they mean biscuits, and at least we have the same words for ice cream, cake, and med-ready meals. Yet top dietary experts today criticize the findings, arguing that it's impossible to truly decipher whether the relationship is one way, right? I think it might be inverted. But they do go and show a kind of table of least processed foods, processed, and this is stuff that we don't often think about, and then ultra processed. I actually would disagree with their classification of a baked potato as processed. I don't think that potatoes can really be considered processed. So this is how they explain it. Nutritionists split food into three groups based on the amount of processing that have gone they've gone through. Minimally processed foods like apples are usually exactly how they appear in nature. You know what else is exactly how it appears in nature? Potatoes. So I disagree with their classification here, but I will say that based on my observation of like what's good and what's not good to eat, see this picture? 
I kind of observed that you should probably not eat yellow food just as a general rule. And obviously I'm excluding like corn and butter to a large degree because a much of that time was spent low carb and butter was a pretty important component of that. But like we have potato chips, we have, you know, things that are high in flour, which means they're also high in sugar, which means they have a whole bunch of other stuff, chemicals for preservatives, pretzels, very high in flour and sugar and preservatives too. And you have cakes and cinnamon rolls and cereals. When I was growing up, my mom did not serve us cereal for breakfast unless it was cereal that she had made herself. Um, and I don't think it was because of a fixation with like vegetable oils or anything like that. She always understood the role that sugar played in the American diet. She recognized it was really bad for us. So she actually baked granola for us probably about once every two weeks to a month. And then we would just store it in like a, an airtight bin and just scoop it out of there as we went along. And it was good. It had honey, it had wheat germ, it had oats. Sometimes you put peanut butter in it and you could make like breakfast bars with it and stuff. It was pretty good. Um, we just tended to get sick of it because once you eat it for so many mornings in a row, you get really, you know, bored with it. But that was a really good alternative to some of the cereal stuff. I've never liked breakfast cereal. Sometimes it's exactly what you want. But at this moment, I can tell you truthfully, and Andy can attest to this, we don't have any breakfast cereal in our house. Sometimes we get it, but right now it's super expensive. Like we bought a box of I want to say honey bunches of oats and it was just so expensive. I think it was something like six and a half dollars for a big box. I was just floored. I was like, why? This is so ridiculous. All right. Andy says, here's his tweet. Tonight, now you're cooking with gas. EPA, that'll be a $1,000 fine, please. Yes, that's something else I saw. People were asking, you know, where did all this talk of the gas stoves go? They're not really going to do anything about it. And I was like, yes, they are. You watch, you mark my words. That was a shot across the bow. That was a big ask. And they're still going to go through these channels and try to make that happen in spite of us throwing a fit about it when it first happened. All right, so let's read this real quick and then we'll move on. What are ultra processed foods? Ultra processed foods are high in added fat, sugar, and salt, probably the wrong kinds of fats, not healthy fats like in avocados, low in protein and fiber and contain artificial coloring, sweetener, and preservatives. So being low in fiber means that it's not going to keep you full for long at all. Um, and that was one of the things that I noticed when I was being super low carb was that if you were going to eat carbs, they needed to be with like whole grain flours and stuff like that, because otherwise it would just, it was just a poor investment. It was a very short term investment. That was how I ended up thinking of it. I was like, if you eat protein and fat, like every morning I would eat eggs with butter and also cheese. Um, and that would keep me full for a really long time. I worked in a relatively, because I was working in a telemetry room at the hospital, I was able to just sit there. And think about how hungry I was over the course of like six hours. And I could determine what would keep me fullest for longest. So I really felt like I was conducting some pretty thorough studies, at least on the three days I was at the hospital. Less so when I was in class, because that engages so much more of your brain that it, it you tend to actually get hungrier a lot faster. Um, so I'd always eat like my avocados and tuna on lunch break at school. Anyway, the term covers food that contains ingredients that a person wouldn't add when cooking at home, like chemicals, coloring and preservatives. Ready meals, ice cream, sausages, deep fried chicken, and ketchup are some of the best loved examples. They're different to processed foods, which are processed to make them last longer or enhance their taste, such as cured meat, cheese, and fresh bread. 
Ultra-processed foods like sausages, cereals, biscuits, and fizzy drinks are formulations made mostly or entirely from substances derived from fruit and additives. They contain little or no unprocessed or minimally processed foods, such as fruits, vegetables, seeds, and eggs. The foods are usually packed with sugar, oil, fat, and salt, as well as additives like preservatives, antioxidants, and stabilizers. So they're really like a miracle of chemistry. Like, have you ever looked at a Dorito chip and thought, how perfectly crunchy is this? How perfectly flavored to make me want another one? My dad used to say that really was a miracle of chemistry, and I completely agree with him at this point. Ultra-processed foods are often presented as ready-to-consume, taste good, and are cheap. And that's how they get you, especially in this economy, honestly. So they're trying to show us what a balanced diet will look like. So here we have all of the fruits and vegetables. And then see over here all the yellow stuff that I could really not get on board with. So this is like potatoes. Here you have bread. And this is just my personal leaning away from carbohydrates just because I don't really like that stuff. Then they have the processed stuff. Now I see here in this really small triangle, they have dairy. When I was losing weight, cheese actually comprised a pretty big chunk of my diet because that was one of the things that kept me really full because it was high in protein and high in fat. So I can really recommend it. And especially if you're like facing health difficulties or if you're in a situation where you need that added calcium or whatever, like for example, if you're pregnant, then you really need to think about what you're eating and why, like you would eat dairy because it's very high in calcium and in that regard, very good for you if you are pregnant. So I just thought this article was super interesting. I think the leaks for link is very tenuous, but thank you all for joining me. Greg, thank you so much. I appreciate your super chat. Here's to your 100th episode. Keep making more. I certainly will. You cannot convince me not to. And he says, if you think children being sexually explicit burlesque shows, then don't super chat. If you think children belong at sexually explicit super chat shows, excuse me, then don't super chat. Well, that's fair. I mean, you can if you want to, but I don't really want people who think that children belongs at those shows to be in my audience, but you're welcome to come and argue with us. We can talk about it. All right, you guys, here is the first article I wanted to talk about today. Speaking of chocolate, so March 1st was the first day of Women's History Month, and I celebrated it by writing an article by female anti-feminist commentators who are really just weaponizing bitter men against women in exactly the same way that feminism weaponizes women against men. And I said, this is a really terrible idea. We need to be telling each other the truth instead of spinning up more division. Hershey's took a different approach. Um, they took a kind of similarly catastrophic and chaotic approach. What they did was they ran an ad where they their primary spokesperson was a man dressed as a woman. This person's name is Faye Johnstone, uh, very, very clearly male. Um, and it's, I personally am actually very insulted by this. I'm not triggered because it takes a lot to trigger me, but I was very offended. I don't like the idea of being made a mockery of. I don't like the concept of people dressing up like some version of what I am and then going out into the world and telling others that they're just the same as me because they're not. I know they're not. I've experienced periods every month of my life since the time I was like 13. It's very painful. It's not fun. I've experienced like the female hormone fluctuations. It's not great, but it is something that's a very important part of humanity, and it's not something that should be made light of. I wouldn't do this to men, and I don't like it when men do it to women. I I was thinking, though, how weird it is that this doesn't seem to be happening in the other direction. 
well, maybe it's just because men are at somewhat of a disadvantage in our current society that men uh, that women don't have any interest in dressing up like a man and going out into the world. In fact, there was a case of a woman who dressed up like a man and who was so passing as one that she soon learned that people just don't care about men's feelings. And I think she she eventually re reassumed her feminine um, appearance. And I think she might have taken the Canadian way out. I don't remember. It was a really tough story because I was like, wow. So what you just learned was that men actually don't have the privilege you say they do. That should be um, a serious wake up call. Why does Hershey's hate women? Fans threatened to boycott chocolate maker after it puts a trans woman's face on its candies wrappers for International Women's Day. A new Hershey's campaign celebrating women is drawing criticism online. The campaign features trans activist Faye Johnstone. One conservative Twitter account why does asked why does Hershey's hate women? I don't think they hate women. I think they're mocking us. And I will also say that no one should be eating Hershey's. Period. Ever. Hershey's is disgusting, first of all, although I know that's subjective. Personally, I find Hershey's to be absolutely revolting. It's not real chocolate. Um, it's probably full of bugs. From my understanding, Hershey's as a company is terribly unethical. Um, and their chocolate is just not good. And as we just read, it's one of the super highly processed foods that we should not be eating if we want to live a long and healthy life. Dot, no barking. Hey, what are you doing? Dot is my co-host and she's barking and sneezing over in the corner. Hopefully dad will come and get her at some point. Hours after Hershey's Canadian brand launched its Her For She campaign, in conjunction with International Women's Day, social media activists began calling for a boycott of the iconic chocolate maker. The ad features trans woman, you mean trans identifying male. That's what Redux calls them. And I think that's a much better name. Saying a trans woman is very confusing. Saying a trans identifying male that's the way forward. It's clear. It says exactly what they wish that they were, but it circles back to what they actually are. This is the third year that Hershey's has marketed a product to celebrate International Women's Day. Its 2022 campaign was fronted by woke actress and comedian Mindy Kaling. Hello. How's the puppy? She was sneezing. I don't know. I did. Oh, yeah, I looked at it. Sorry, I didn't retweet you yet. Forgive me, dear. Andy is wearing his public square t-shirt. I am too, but I'm also wearing a hoodie so you can't see it. So we match. Yeah, you can close it. Thank you, dear. Um, <laughs> why does Hershey's hate women? Pondered one conservative Twitter account on Thursday. While John Stone, the executive director of consulting business Wisdom to Action, this person's not wise, tweeted on Wednesday that uh, they were honored to be in the campaign. By Thursday, Boycott Hershey's was one of the top trending topics on Twitter in the U.S. and Canada. So this is the person they chose to pretend was a woman. This is not a woman. Doesn't even look remotely close to a woman. If we're being charitable, still doesn't look anything like a woman. This person person actually just looks super mean and kind of smug, honestly. I mean, I would be too if I'd gotten in under the radar and I had convinced people that I was something that I was not. The other women featured in the ad are Kalisha Masala, the founder of Girl Up Cubic. Oh, gosh. Nayla Malou, a climate technology scientist. Oh, good. Good for you. Rita Audi, a gender and education equality activist. Oh my gosh, these are all awful. And an indigenous rights activist, Autumn Peltier. 
According to the post from Hershey's Canada, the campaign will shine a light on the women and girls who inspire us every day. Well, in order to shine a light on the women and girls who inspire us every day, you would probably need to show people's mothers, people's sisters, people's teachers. Nobody really cares about a climate technologist or a gender activist or a trans person. I'm sorry, they just don't. This is very on on the nose for them. It's not a good look. According to the post, yeah, shine a light, the confectionery giant will be donating $10,000 to each of the respective causes represented in the ads and $30,000 to Girl Up. You get the feeling that these companies always despised women. They were just waiting for the right moment to stick it to us. Here's the thing about real women, Hershey's. We have long memories, tweeted Abigail Schreier, the author of Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Indeed, she's one of my heroes. Honestly, I feel like I reference her book constantly, even though I tend to forget the title of it more often than not. Abigail Schreier is fantastic. Women do indeed have long memories. We don't like things like this, and we do hold grudges. While Ollie London, who announced his plans to detransition in 2022, tweeted, a biological man fronts the new Hershey's campaign celebrating women for International Women's Day. This is misogyny at its finest, a real slap in the face to actual women. Yeah, this is the person in question. This is not a woman. I mean, it's nice that you were able to grow your hair out. You have a very nice head of hair. Good for you. Doesn't make you a woman. Neither does wearing women's clothing. In fact, neither does getting the surgeries. I'm sorry. I think Matt Walsh was entirely correct when he came out and spoke the truth to Dylan Mulvaney. Whether you guys thought, whether you thought he was too mean or not, somebody needed to tell Dylan the truth. And I think that that's truth really, truth really was lacking in his life. But I've been over all that before. On her Twitter page, John Stone said her on their Twitter page, John Stone sent out multiple messages in support of the campaign, lamenting the fact that they did not have many transgender role models growing up. They wrote, many young trans folks haven't met a trans adult. I hope this campaign shows trans girls that they can dream big and change the world too. We still have a long way to go in the fight to end misogyny. Tell me about it. Patriarchy. Oh, yeah. Tell me more about that. And gender-based violence. I hope this campaign helps give more young women and girls role models and possibility models and shows them how we can be, how we can be change the world together. B-movie actress Erin Marie Hogan was among those who voiced their support for John Stone saying she is a woman. If TERFs, trans exclusionary radical feminists, don't like it, they're free to F off. Um, okay, so. This whole exchange exists in a an ether, ethereal world called the internet. So no one needs to F off anywhere. You can go and you can engage with each one of these people on like a personal basis and tell them what you think about them. And that's just the nature of the internet. Sometimes I don't love that. It's hard when you have a large following to like make sure that you're making personal contact with everyone. But at the same time, if you choose to be a public figure, then you're going to deal with people who sometimes don't agree with you. And with people who think that, for example, you have a bunch of internalized misogyny, like I'm frequently told. But it's not really something you can do away with. And it's very much against the spirit of free speech to tell people who disagree with you to F off. Although, admittedly, you have the right to say that as well. 
Twitch streamer Sarah Daniels wrote, thank you for representing us so beautifully. Wait, who is Faye Johnstone representing? She's not representing me. She's not representing half of the population. She. Faye is not representing the half of the population that they're trying to convince you that Faye is representing. Hershey did not respond to DailyMail.com's request for comment. Of course not. Hershey moved production to Mexico, now during Women's History Month, are advocating for men mocking real women. Somewhere on a milk farm in Pennsylvania, Milton Hershey is rolling over in his grave. Haven't bought their swill since they put Americans out of work. I prefer to remember. So here is an old chocolate bar from Chocolate Town, USA, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Excuse me, I got the hiccups again. And here's someone saying, no more Hershey's for me. Why do corporations keep going down this path? Advertise your product, not their pol- not your politics. Boycott Hershey's. Why do corporations... Yep. Yeah. Why do they keep doing this? That's a great question. They keep doing it because I think they feel like they have to, um, to some degree. And they think that this is the way forward. Now, they're wrong, as Disney pretty much immediately found out after crossing uh, swords with uh, Ron DeSantis. But they don't seem to get it. They seem to think it's fine to promote their politics, even despite like a bunch of boycotts, like infuriating people. They just don't care. They're just virtue signaling. And I'm not entirely sure what motivates them to do that. So if you guys know, by all means, let me know. All right. Let's see what you guys are thinking. And I will retweet, retweet Andy. Let's go. Happy 100th episode, says Johnny. Thank you so much. I do appreciate that. There we go. Okay. We retweeted Andy. That's the most important part. John Burt says, a hundred good work lids. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Serenko says, I got to give it to their marketing team though. Her, she is pretty funny. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have seen the candy bar wrappers, but they've made now the, um, the she part of the label a different color. And I was like, well, why didn't they make the her part a different color too? But I guess they did because they were thinking about this. So good for them, I suppose. Now, if only they'd actually chosen real women and women of actual high quality to represent their company. But they seem to not think that women who are grandmothers and mothers and daughters and sisters and aunts are important. Only people who are like climate technologists and progressive activists and whatnot. It's very, very boring. It's all the same. Johnny says, yeah, I heard about that lady. I think she really did take her name off the census. Interesting. Possibly in reference to the lady who lived life as a man. Gregory Berry says, congrats. Thank you, sir. Oh, that Zacho says, what the heck is that? Yeah, um, it's someone who thinks they're a woman. This is someone who is living in a state of delusion. And I honestly feel like we should, I think we should feel bad for them. To some degree, but at the same time, if if you're trying to influence children to make moves that will affect their lives for the rest of their lives, you're a very bad person. Like, you know what you're doing. You're fully in, you know, possession of your senses. You know the long-term effects of this kind of surgery and cross-sex hormones and the effect it can have on kids. Like you have to know, there's no way to look at this and be like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. You have to close your eyes and stuff your fingers in your ears all the time to think that at all. You're just, you need to, you need to be honest with yourself. First of all, like you're not even honest with yourself about who you actually are. What gives you the right to then turn around and try to tell children what they should be doing with their lives? 
LOL. Of course, they're all diverse, says Sir Rango. Of course. Yes, there's no white woman. Show, show, show Sugina says as a one-legged transgender Filipino, I'm a binary sex advocate. There you go. And he says, how about a happy medium between a spectrum and a binary? The gender ternary trademark. <laughs> Good idea. Stuttering Chris says, who's the CEO of Hershey? Someone who was probably birthed by a mother. Hmm. Yes. Interesting point for sure. And he says, can't get butts in the seats if we can't get lids to retweets. Okay. All right. I did. <laughs> Sir, Sir of Potato says, hi, everyone. Hello. Everybody smiles. Says, smile, everybody. We are indeed. And he says, Susan Wajiki doesn't want you to switch from top chat to live chat. I am in live chat mode as I typically try to be. No worries. Susan Wajiki is not going to silence you guys tonight. All right, let's talk about national divorce. So there was a poll that came out today that was kind of troubling everybody. It looks like one third of Americans agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene's national divorce call. 47% of Americans back the bid for red states to split, according to a shocking poll. Do you guys find that shocking? To some degree, I do. Um, but at the same time, I still really, really think that if we all worked on it, we could probably fix this without a national divorce. I know you can call me very hopelessly optimistic because for two years, two and a half, three years in there, my boss was constantly saying, get out of blue cities. There's going to be a civil war selling my Patriot supply and all that other stuff. And I left, I moved to a city and I said, I don't think that a civil war is coming. I think that Americans aren't like the news portrays us. I think when we watch the news 24 seven, like Tim does and like I do for a, a, a large percentage of my time, I think that you're going to get the wrong impression about America. And it's possible that's what happened to these 47% of Republicans. Now you guys are welcome to disagree with me. It's possible our differences run too deep for us to fix them. But I think that if, uh, if Republicans exercise their political power as they are doing, as we're going to read later on, um, we will fix some of these issues. The problem has been in a large part a very cowardly Republican party in the past, the party of Mitch McConnell, Liz Cheney and people like that, not getting things done. Republican firebrand Marjorie Taylor Greene says the U.S. needs a national divorce between red and blue states. A shocking new poll shows that one third of Americans agree with her idea. Two thirds of independent voters disagree that there should be separation. So independent voters are really where it's at. And independent voters, honestly, are probably who we're going to be able to make the most peace with because they're not like dyed in the wool ideologues. Democrats, hellbent leftists, and that kind of thing. 34% of the 1,000 likely voters surveyed by Rasmussen Reports said they agreed with Green, but still 57% degree, uh, disagree with the premise. When broken down by party, Republicans are split on the matter with just a 5% margin of those who agree and disagree, while an even 26% of Democrats say they agree with a pro-Trump Republican congresswoman. So even Democrats agree with her in 26 percentage points, whereas, you know, 67% of them disagree. They don't think we need a divorce. They think everything's just fine. Actually, according to, um, her name's not Joy Behar, the other Joy, the African-American Joy, she was saying they've won the culture war. There is nothing left for conservatives. The left's totally won. And Matt Walsh's take on that was, was like, well, if you've won, then you're not victims anymore and you can stop pretending that you are. And also you can stop trying to do things like trans the kids and push drag queen story hour on people. But of course, they will never stop doing that. 
So here we have overall 34% say yes, 57% say no, 9% don't know either way. Um, yeah, so independents are more in agreement with Marjorie Taylor Greene than Democrats, and Republicans are by a wide margin, almost twice as much. That's crazy. On President's Day, the Trump acolyte was decidedly unimpressed with President Joe Biden's surprise visit to Ukraine, claiming in a tweet that it's time for the U.S. to be divided. I do feel that that was incredibly poor taste of him to go to Ukraine instead of going to the United States state that really could have used a little bit of encouragement from him. When you're president, you have powers that you probably shouldn't. I personally don't think the president should have any of the powers, pretty much any of the powers that they currently have. But one of the things they do have is a slight modicum of celebrity that can make people feel better about current events. And I really think that it might have brought a sense of peace to the people in East Palestine, Ohio, to recognize that the president of the U.S. was on their side, that he was kind of positioning his um, his underlings to look after them and to try to test everything and make sure that they're not going to get sick, et cetera, et cetera. But instead... Joe Biden chose to go to Ukraine. No one forced him to do that. Donald Trump hadn't gone to East Palestine yet. But now we already know that Biden is not ever going to go to East Palestine because he is kind of darned if he does, darned if he doesn't. If he does go, he just looks like a jerk for going later than Trump. If he doesn't go, he also looks like a jerk for not having gone in the first place. But I do think it was certainly a dereliction of duty for him not to have gone to this American state before he went to this foreign country that we're just dumping money into in an absolutely irresponsible and profligate way. She said, we need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. It's a very small sample size. From a sick and disgusting woke culture issue shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done. A majority of Democrats, 67%, so they are against her idea, while 42% of Republicans also disagree with her. One-fourth of independent voters surveyed February 21st through 23rd are in favor of a national divorce, but 63% are against it. Overall, 9% of all voters are not sure how they feel about the radical idea of splitting the country into Republican and Democratic states. The last time the states separated based on ideology was the American Civil War. Yeah, that's not a good precedent, which started on April 12th, 1861 and ravaged the nation for more than four bloody years with an average of 500 deaths a day. Recent polling shows deep polarization between red and blue states. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene wants a national divorce between the two parties. But the sheer fact that more than one third of the country is open to the potential shows the growing sentiment of resentment voters feel toward the opposing party. A lot goes into deciding whether a state is red or blue, like recent elections, current leaders, and historical voting records of those living in the jurisdiction. Currently, 29 of the 50 states are led by Republican governors, and 24 states have voted for Republicans in at least three or four of the last four presidential elections. When just taking into account the 2022 Senate elections, 27 states voted red. That's more than half. All in all, the country would be pretty evenly split with a slight lean toward Republican states outnumbering Democratic states. The population disparity would be huge, however, with the denser populated states leaning Democrat and ones with more land mass but fewer people leaning Republican. Yes, that's because conservative people tend to live in more rural areas. They tend to do things like farm. 
ranch, dairy farmers, truckers, that kind of thing. These are very important jobs for the economy and something that Democrats certainly don't appreciate. But I think that probably the solution to our actual division is maybe not to divide along state lines, especially given how much of an influence Democrats have in pretty much all cities in all states, including red states. But I think the better solution would be to actually have a strong Republican Party. Um, and that means a party that introduces ideas like the kind that they're floating in Florida, a party that follows through on what they say they will do, a party that is actually aware of what's going on in the culture, that really knows what people actually care about and pays close attention to the polling of what's most important to people, whether it's the economy or stuff like Drag Queen Story Hour or these horrible books in schools for kids. Republicans need to be paying attention to that kind of thing. It's become too easy for them to ignore that and to play the Mitch McConnell card where they just don't care. Ukraine is more important than the American people. And that's just been so frustrating to watch, honestly, because it's like, no, Ukraine is not more important than the American people, especially when our American leaders are the ones giving all our money to them. All right. We mentioned this yesterday. Kayla Lemieux, the Canadian teacher with size Z adult prosthetics, has been placed on paid leave. Why did this happen, you ask? Were they finally fed up with this person exposing underage children to adult paraphernalia? Absolutely not. The Canadian high school teacher who wears massive Z-cup adult prosthetics in class has been placed on leave after the post revealed that she... that. The teacher rarely wears them outside of school. I will not use the female pronoun on this person. This person is not even trans. They will tell you as much. The Halton School District confirmed that Oakville Trafalgar High School shop teacher Kayla Lemieux was put on paid leave on Tuesday. While not currently on an active assignment, the teacher remains employed with the district, spokesperson Heather Francie told the Toronto Sun. Lemieux's suspension comes after Education Minister Stephen Lecce and Halton Region MPPs Natalie Pierre, Stephen Crawford, and Effie Trianta, Trianta Philopolis, goodness, what a last name, rebuked the school board for having abdicated its responsibility by failing to put the interests and safety of students first, according to the Sun. One mother named Lynn told the school board Wednesday that forms of identity and expression presented in the school environment must be scrutinized against the child's safeguarding practices. Yeah, I think that's a fair analysis. And especially a mother should have a voice in this. Canadian high school teacher, the board has remained largely quiet about Lemieux, while parents have raged for months about her, the wearing of the prosthetics in front of students. Photos and videos taken in school have shown the teacher wearing tight clothing with large nipples protruding under the fabric of the shirt. The controversy has sparked numerous threats of violence against Lemieux and school officials. So let's just stop there and say the school is failing not only the children, but also this person who is wearing these prosthetics by allowing this to go on because people are understandably upset about it. Violent threats are being made. Now, which direction, which side of the aisle they come from doesn't matter. The fact is that people are upset about this and upset enough to threaten violence. That's not good for the teacher, really not good for the students, doubly not good because not only could violence take place at their school, they're also still being exposed to these adult accessories. 
The controversy has sparked numerous threats of violence, yet Board of Education meetings have descended into chaos as attempts to address the issue. A screen grab from the Halton District School Board meeting on March 1st, 2023. So this is still ongoing. The saga gained international attention and came to a head after the Post revealed last month that once outside school, Lemieux often ditches the prosthetics, wig, and makeup and appears as a man, which sent shockwaves through the district. Post photos showed a dressed-down Lemieux wearing men's sweatpants, sneakers, and a puffer vest with no sign of the prosthetics, makeup, glasses, or wig, a getup that the neighbor said they wear extremely infrequently. Yes, apparently the teachers, the neighbors say that this person wears these prosthetics just to teach. That is the worst possible circumstance. The worst circumstance would be that this person only wears these around children. That's disgusting. If this were something that this guy, this very confused man, were wearing all the time, that might be a little bit different. But because this person only wears these prosthetics around children, disgusting, unforgivable. This person needs to be fired like three months ago. They insisted in a sit-down with the Post that the man in the photos was not them, although they admitted they could not prove it and denied wearing prosthetics at all. Those are real, Lemieux said, adding that they could not say who the person photographed was because I don't want to bring anyone else into this. Nah, nah, that's you, man. This is who I am. This is how I look. You've been talking to people in my building, but what they're telling you is harsh and untrue. I'm always going out looking the way I am. Mm, I don't think you are. Sorry. Lemieux told the Post that although they began undergoing hormone replacement therapy in 2021 and was in transition, they are not a transgender person, but was born, quote, intersex. This is a very confusing story. It's kind of weird. The teachers said that their extra-large prosthetics are caused by a condition called gigantomastia, which we talked about yesterday, but admitted that they have never been officially diagnosed. Gigantomastia is a rare condition that involves developing extremely large breasts due to excessive tissue growth, according to the renowned Cleveland Clinic, which said there are only about 300 cases reported. That's not what's going on here. That's not what's happening. These are clearly prosthetics. Outraged parents demanded that the Halton District School Board impose a dress code for teachers, which was initially rejected last year due to concerns about violating Ontario's Ontario's Human Rights Code. In January, the school board agreed to develop a policy requiring teachers maintain an appropriate and professional appearance. I hope they put more detail into it than that, because one of the things that I always notice with like these laws and rules is that they never have enough detail. You can skirt them very easily if you just put your mind to it. Lemieux told the Post that they would follow the direction of the board on what they mandated, but denied that they dressed in a provocative fashion. I don't think there's any problem with how I've dressed. It's the personal opinion of other people. I don't think I've dressed unprofessionally. Absolutely ridiculous. This person needs to be fired. This person needs to be removed from the company of children. I'm very sick of talking about this person. I can't believe this is the world we live in. It's very gross. In fact, when I first saw pictures of this teacher in shop class, I was like, 
Is that person expectant? Because they probably shouldn't have their belly so close to the saw, but in fact, it was just their prosthetic, which is horrifying enough. Captain Ron Production says, not at all. Most people don't understand the national divorce will end in blood. Well, considering that the last time we did it was during the Civil War, I think that a majority of people who aren't big on the idea are probably in the like, oh, you know, this might actually lead to a lot of people dying camp, which makes sense to me. Serenko says Joy Reid. Yes, it was Joy Reid. She was the one who was crowing about having won the culture war after the Grammys. Keenan says, secret from the trucking industry, chocolate from Hershey, Pennsylvania originates from Mexico, fully prepped. That's right. That was mentioned in the article as well. One of the reasons that people are mad at Hershey is because they sent a lot of American jobs right down to Mexico. Not a good American company. Captain Ron Production says, Milton Hershey put a 100-year ban on moving the company out of the United States. The day that the ban ended, the factory was already ready and open in Mexico. (coughs) That's not surprising, unfortunately. Excuse me. A national divorce would definitely get rid of the cushy lifestyle that too many people have gotten used to nowadays. I welcome it, says everybody smile. If there was a peaceful way to do it, I probably would welcome it as well. I do agree it would get rid of a lot of our cushy lifestyle and it would make life a lot less boring. Um, It would probably, for example, remove the concept of pronouns entirely from our vocabulary. But at the same time, I just can't help feeling like we're living in purgatory because if we do it, There probably will be a lot of death and destruction and despair and the division of families and other stuff like that that nobody wants. And then if we don't do it, we're just going to be stuck here talking about pronouns and oversized adult prosthetics, which is also horrible, at least to me. This is not something that, for example, kids should be exposed to. Keenan says many professions that are taught in college are only existing to exist for themselves. In other words, their job is to keep their job. There's no other value. I agree. JB says the Germans banned the Nazi party after World War II, but we didn't ban the Democratic Party after slavery. Go figure. That's a great question or great observation. If you push the like button 100 times, it will be off since it's a binary choice. Yes, I know. That's why I said I was just kidding. Don't push the button 100 times. Just push it once. I'm sure this back hurts at the end of the day. A benefit of being a man is that you can take them off when you need to, says planet fatness exactly so this is so clearly like a play acting like a whole like imaginary thing and it strikes me as a need and a desire to wear some kind of fetish gear around people who are underage and I personally find that that raises my hackles like my my maternal hackles to a degree that very little else does I don't like the idea of people like that being around kids we'll put it that way Serenko says, I really don't think this guy is seriously trans or even dysphoric. Right. That's what he says. He's not transgender. He was saying that his prosthetics were real when they're clearly not. Yeah. I don't know what's up with him. He is a strange person. Everybody smiles, says not if they're filled with helium. I don't think they're filled with helium. They look very heavy. Lori says he will sue them, which is certainly something I think the school is afraid of. At this point, I think the school fully deserves it for exposing these kids to this. Like they deserve whatever happens after this because they made the wrong choice. And by not dealing with this before this first got out of hand, they could have dealed with it on a very, very direct personal like engagement with the teacher just saying, hey, Hey, just take them aside, tell them, you know what? This isn't appropriate. You're going to have to wear something else and then offer them something like a smock to wear for teaching, you know, shop class or whatever they were teaching at the time. 
Lori says he's very confused. I can't tell if he is confused or malicious. It's kind of hard to tell. Planet Fatness says, I was told gender was fluid so he can transition back to man on a whim. Who are they to judge? That's a good point. But he's denying that was him. So he's pretending that his disguise is so good that no one could possibly tell if it was him if he wasn't wearing all of his ridiculous lady attire. And that's not the case. His disguise is not good. His makeup is ridiculous. His wig is awful. JB says, plastic doesn't grow. QCB, OCB, excuse me, says Canada has fallen. Greg says, I think he was trolling to prove the point. So people keep saying this and I don't think it's the case anymore. I thought it for a very short time, but at this point, I truly believe that this is just a person who is taking advantage of the position teaching to expose children to this, which in my mind is one of the worst forms of perversion. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm willing to accept that and I'm glad maybe I guess this person is proving a point, but I still don't think that proving a point is worth exposing underage children to this kind of thing. I'll just put that out there. I don't think that even proving a point is going to be enough of a justification for putting children through this. That makes you as bad as the people that you're trying to pull one over on. It really does. I don't find it forgivable in any case. Everybody smile says maybe he filled them with fake blood to teach an unforgettable safety lesson to the shop class. I don't think that was it either. Keenan says it's amazing that all of these leftists love the royal scandal, but they won't help the palace teen victims. Yeah, good point. Prince Andrew is a menace, a pest, if you will. Keenan says, Horton hears the who the chairman called the mayor of a boob. Oh my goodness gracious. All right, you guys, we're going to look at this article next. AOC might be in trouble. I heard that George Santos is also being investigated. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez may have violated house rules with gifts from the Met Gala, a watchdog says. A congressional watchdog says Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez may have violated house rules when she received gifts associated with her attendance at a prestigious fashion event in 2021. The Office of Congressional Ethics voted 5-0 to to move forward with the investigating the allegations concerning the Democrat from New York because there is substantial reason to believe that she has accepted impermissible gifts associated with the Met Gala. If I recall correctly, even at the time, people were asking questions about how she got tickets and how expensive they would have been. They were something in the range of like $40,000, if I recall correctly. Maybe it'll tell us as we go on. The congressional watchdog wrote in its report about her appearance, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez may have accepted impermissible gifts associated with her attendance at the Met Gala in 2021. The board recommends that the committee further review the above allegation concerning Representative Ocasio-Cortez because there is substantial reason to believe she accepted these impermissible gifts associated with the Met Gala. AOC's Tax Rich Dress, that's when that was from, if you recall. Ocasio-Cortez made headlines at the star-studded fundraiser that year when she wore a white Brother Veli's dress with red text across the back saying tax the rich. However, she did not pay any rental fee for the dress when she attended, according to the report from the Office of Congressional Ethics. Speaking of tax the rich, she is one of the richest hypocrites, hypocrites I've ever seen. She's just absolutely full of it. To scam whoever made this dress and to not pay any rental fee is just disgusting. As part of her attendance, Rep. AOC was provided with a kosher dress, handbag, shoes, and jewelry, the review said. She also received hair, makeup, transportation, and ready room services. 
Riley Roberts, her partner, received a bow tie and shoes in advance of the event. The review said Ocasio-Cortez paid for the items, including the rental value of the dress after the watchdog office started its review, saying that if the office hadn't opened the inquiry, it appears that Rep. Ocasio-Cortez may not have paid for several thousands of dollars worth of goods and services provided to her. Yes, it's so amusing when they pay for things only after they're caught. Additionally, the report said that Brothers Vellies, Aurora James, and Jana P. declined to provide requested information to the office and therefore did not cooperate with the review. So the people in question that she did business with, or did not do business with, did not even cooperate with the review. The report therefore recommended that the House Committee on Ethics issue subpoenas to them. Oh goodness, things are getting spicy. I just found that really interesting. I just find AOC a huge hypocrite. I really don't like her, obviously. It might surprise you to learn. She's not exactly a role model of mine, but she is so indicative of everything that women my age like to do and tend to think and the ways we tend to act. So unfortunately... She is much more an example of my generation than I am. I, of course, tend to think I'm great. I tend to think she's terrible, but I guess she has some value just because she's a human being. I just find her to be an awful politician and wish that she actually had a job that gave um, value to the surrounding world instead of politics. House GOP unveils Parents' Bill of Rights, drawing criticism from teachers' unions because, as we know at this point, teachers' unions don't care about students, and they certainly don't care about students' parents. Teachers' unions only care about teachers. House GOP Conference Chairwoman Elise Stefanik said the legislation ensures parents have the right to know what's being taught to their children. Good. It's about time. House Republican leaders have announced their parents' bill of rights, which has sparked immediate criticism from one of the largest teachers' unions. Boo-hoo. Cry me a river. House GOP Conference Chairwoman Rep. Elise Stefanik says the legislation ensures parents have the right to know what's being taught to their children in the classroom. I mean, duh. Like, am I the only one who assumed that teachers had to tell parents what they were teaching their kids? I guess in the past that would have been considered normal, but not anymore. For the first time in the new majority in the House, House Republicans are introducing our parents' Bill of Rights to bring our parents' concerns to the highest levels, the New York Congresswoman said. In the face of the woke agenda and radical CRT the far left is pushing, even in the midst of the devastating learning loss, we are ensuring parents have the transparency to know if their child is being properly equipped in the classroom. This is good, but I think one of the bigger things the GOP could push at the same time is school choice. 100% at the federal level. I want school choice for every single student. My parents paid taxes to a school system that my family and all five of my siblings and myself never used. None of us ever set foot in a public school. I think that was probably the crowning achievement for my parents. Um, their like parenting history. That was probably one of the best things they did for us was keep us out of those stinking schools. And still they ended up paying taxes for that. And we were very lucky to be in a position where my dad had a job that paid well enough that my mom could stay at home and work with us one-on-one. The National Education Association says House Speaker Kevin McCarthy would rather seek to stoke racial and social division, blah, 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 and distract us from what will really help our students thrive, blah, blah, blah. The word inclusive is rapidly approaching. I don't even feel like reading this. The National Parents Union is also criticizing the legislation. Interesting. I need to to know more about them. Keep culture wars out of our classrooms. 
Keep critical race theory out of our classrooms. How about that? You guys are the ones who brought this into the classroom. This is where we'll fight this battle, whether you like it or not, because we didn't start it, but we will finish it. Our children need urgent and aggressive educational solutions, not political performance theater. This isn't political and it's not performance theater. This is 100% in the interest of children and in the interest of the parents who deserve to know what their children are being taught. It blows my mind that public school teachers really think they're better equipped to handle children than the actual parents of those exact children. Unless a parent is incredibly abusive, there is almost no instance in which a teacher who probably doesn't have any children of their own would be better equipped to deal with that child than the person who made them. Gross to me. Very gross. I do think that it's much more important for people to have access to school choice. It would have made a great deal to my family to have had funds come in for each one of myself and my siblings to help pay for curriculum that would have made our lives much richer and had much more of an opportunity to do interesting things, to go on field trips, to learn really in-depth like fields, to explore these different ideas, whatever. It worked out in the end. I just wish that each one of the students who are currently in public schools were given the option to go to a charter school, to go to a Christian or Catholic school, or to be homeschooled if that's what works for them. We need to empower parents to bring their kids home. We should not punish parents for having children, and we certainly shouldn't punish children for the audacity of going to public school. But let's see what you guys are saying. My voice is a little wobbly tonight, so I might wrap it here in a little bit. I think I just have, okay, so I have two short stories to read, and then we'll close it up for sure. Getting close to seven anyway. An electric shock can stop the heart, but it can also restart it, says Keenan. Sorenko says, yes, but those children, are those children going to be exposed to this? It might be worth it to shock the system. Greg says, I can agree with you on that. It is a bad way to prove a point. We have to track back what you guys are talking about. Everybody smile says, maybe he filled them. Oh yeah, fake blood. Right. Shocks the system for sure. Got it. AOC caused the Colgate shortage. I don't know if she did or not. That's everybody smile. Thank you, sir. Serenko says, so she just wore it for the night. I don't really see how it's a gift if she's not keeping it. So you'd have to rent it, which would be thousands of dollars. These dresses are insane. Um, they would probably call them works of art. I personally wouldn't. They're just very, very, very intricate pieces of clothing that are only designed to be worn once. It's very, it's the height of opulence to have a dress like that. And it's so telling and so hypocritical to me that she decided to paint on it, tax the rich, like give me a break as if someone who weren't insufferably rich wouldn't be wearing that at all. Andy says like, comment, and subscribe. Goodbye, unhighly snipes. It was great having you in the chat while you had time. We will see you next time. Fox News says California City nearly eliminates homeless population with zero tolerance policy on encampments. Coronado's Republican mayor says liberal state tolerates destructive behavior instead of getting help to people in need. Well, good for him for actually solving this problem in his town. I'm very impressed. California cities have battled homeless a homeless crisis for years while still throwing billions of dollars at the spiraling tragedy to help those who are in dire need of housing. But one city has defied the odds, reporting the lowest homeless population in the state. Coronado Mayor Richard Bailey said there are no vagrants in his city at all, and he joined Fox and Friends First to describe how he has reinforced a no-encampment policy while still upholding the rule of law. 
The policies that are in place at the regional and statewide level are tolerating this type of behavior that is personally destructive and also destructive to the surrounding communities are really enabling the situation to increase throughout our entire state and through our entire region, Bailey told Ashley Strohmeyer. Changing these policies will actually have a major impact, he said. Bailey explained that the city works with a police department and a homeless service provider to give the homeless only one option to get the help they need. You don't have another choice? That's great. That's perfect. So these are the tent encampments near uh, City Hall in San Francisco. This is just from January 2023. Last time we were there, this is exactly what it looks like. It is absolutely dystopian right now. And it's really sad because, as we know... California is beautiful. They have perfect weather. They have amazing beaches. Everybody's friendly. There's so much sun. They have a lot of space. They have really cool natural reserves. It's very cool. But at the same time, they've completely let it go to waste. Coronado funds reasonable services to help those struggling to get back on their feet, but noted the city also has a zero tolerance policy for violating municipal codes. We make it very clear that we don't tolerate encampments on our sidewalks and we don't tolerate other code violations like being drunk in public or urinating in public or defecating in public. We just simply don't tolerate these basic code violations. What ends up happening is an individual either chooses to get help or they end up leaving. Coronado previously reported only one homeless person within the city, according to data from the San Diego um, Regional Task Force on Homelessness. But Bailey says that person fortunately got the help that was needed and is no longer on the streets. That's great. This is by far and away the more compassionate way to treat homeless people. Estimated homeless in Los Angeles, 41,980. That is the size of a small town. The fact of the matter is that there, although there are myriad reasons, there are myriad reasons that people end up homeless. They eventually only fall into two camps, those that want help and those that don't, Bailey said. And if those that are refusing to get help shouldn't be granted addition, additional ability to break laws like the tent encampments on the sidewalk or urinating or defecating in public. Completely agree. We need to be enforcing these policies to ultimately kind of help them get into that other camp that eventually gets them gets them help. California allocated $10 billion to curb the homeless crisis from 2018 to 2012, and it did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Are you kidding? Thousands upon thousands of people are still homeless in California, and there is just no end in sight. They don't take any of this seriously. They don't enforce their codes. They allow people to do whatever they want. People can drink. People can smoke hard drugs. People can relieve themselves all over the public spaces. It makes it miserable for people who are just trying to live in the city. Despite the massive government spending dedicated to alleviating the crisis, the Golden State still has 30% of the entire country's homeless population. Holy moly. That is a huge percentage. I thought that was the end of the article. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, that's just it's disgusting and it's unforgivable and it's not the compassionate way to go. It really isn't. I hope you guys have noticed because when I was talking about Baltimore, I was talking about how much these people spend on these public school students a piece. They spend something like $22,000 a year per student for students that have zero proficiency in math and reading. And it's truly disheartening. So it turns out that the solution to these problems is not just to throw money at them. That can actually make things worse sometimes. And it's certainly not the most compassionate approach because you're not actually holding people accountable. Happy 100th episode, Sour Patch Lids. Here's to the next 100. Thank you, Ekim. I appreciate that. It's going to be wonderful. 
Everybody Smile says, what's going on with wokeness in schools across the country? Let's face it, most of the viewers of channels that talk about this stuff are men. Yes. Well, the thing is that most of the users on YouTube are men. It might be different over on Rumble or BitChute. We need to get over there as well, for sure. Um, But I'm not sure about podcast platforms, which is part of the reason that I've also been putting my show up on these podcast platforms. And I'm using a service to distribute to all of the smaller platforms. I believe my show is now on Google. You know what? I've been going through Substack and that seems to be working really well because that puts it right up onto um, Google Podcasts, which is what I use to listen to my podcasts. And I think that... Let me see if I can find the Sour Patch. Oh no, Trad Queen Story Hour. The Sour Patch is my Substack, and that's where. Oh, cool. Okay, so if you guys go to Google Podcasts and you search Trad Queen Story Hour, this is what it shows up as. There's my face, my Photoshop face. It says Trad Queen Story Hour with Sour Patch Lids, and those are the most recent episodes. And that's great. I'm really happy to see that. I pay for that service for sure. Um, And I am really hoping to push these ideas across different platforms because it's really important. It really is. I think this is one of the biggest, most important things we can do is to get these ideas out and to emphasize that none of this changes unless we push for it. And finally... Adrienne, how's it going? She says, I identify as male now. No, you know, not allowed. I forbid it. Our last story is this from the Daily Mail. I've dyed my five-year-old son's hair rainbow colors to encourage self-expression. Okay, first of all, what? You did this to him to encourage whose self-expression, yours or his? He might feel embarrassed when he's older, but it's all part of life. Okay, let's continue reading. A mother who's often slammed by other women for wearing inappropriate outfits on the school run has been praised for dyeing her son's hair rainbow colors. Charlie Hayes, 22, from Folkestone, Kent, often faces criticism for wearing short skirts and fishnet stockings as she drops her son at school. Why are you doing that? Why do you feel a need to wear that to a children's environment? That's very strange. She's even been accused of child abuse for letting her five-year-old son, Jasper, grow his hair long. Recently, she dyed her son's hair rainbow colors, but while some criticized her, others said she was cool. Charlie, who regularly posts on TikTok, of course she does. Her child is an accessory. She is a TikToker, said she wanted to experiment on her son to encourage independent thought. She said, self-expression and decision-making is a core of our identity. Experimenting with your style from a young age encourages independent thought, in my opinion. He may look back when he's older and feel embarrassed or silly, but it's an integral part of his journey as a human being. She added that her own style inevitably influences her son's choice. She said, my style is an eclectic amalgamation of every piece of art and entertainment I enjoy. I take influence from cartoons, music, books, and films. I just like to become a visual collection of all my thoughts. I think it's inevitable that Charlie will be in, uh, that Charlie will be influenced, but he has his own strong personality and preference. For example, 80% of my wardrobe is pink, but he hates pink. Yeah, he's not trans, thank goodness. Charlie, 22, and Jasper, this is her son, who looks like her daughter, um, live in Folkestone, Kent. The doting mother regularly posts about her outfits online, and this is how she chooses to dress. So these are her tattoos. This is her outfit. This is the amount of cleavage she likes to share, and apparently she wears this to her son's school. Okay, so this isn't too bad. It looks like she just dyed it on the under part and it's nothing too crazy. 
Although Charlie's style attracts compliments, she admits she gets a lot of hate from strangers. She said, recently I had one local woman target me from the seat of her boyfriend's car, screaming out, calling me disgusting and a streetwalker, but I haven't let it get to me. Well, maybe you shouldn't dress like this if you don't want to be insulted like that. I'm sorry, because you can wish for a world where you can just dress like that and nothing happens to you. But the reality is that we don't live there. That's not the universe that we live in. I don't face much backlash in my day-to-day life. Fine, whatever, do what you want. School-run parents hype me up and show overwhelming support. Most of the negative comments are received online, but I think in general my love for the way I look has become contagious and really grown on people, even if it's never something they'd necessarily wear themselves. With regard to dyeing her son's hair, Charlie said that she checked with the school's uniform policy to make sure her son would not get in trouble. Okay, so that's good. She said the school was totally okay with it. They didn't really tell me their personal opinion. They just said it's not against uniform policy. And she said, despite usually facing criticism, many people have told her how they like the look. You know what? I'm not going to tell people how to live, honestly, but I don't think that this is something a responsible parent wears, especially not to school. I really don't think this is a sign of readiness to be a parent. Um, There was a lot of things that I did when I was 22 that I I now really regret. Life is a lot different 10 years down the road. Not quite. But it's not, this isn't how someone who is responsible dresses. This just to me looks like narcissism. And she doesn't say whether her son actually asked for this dye job. Um, It sounds kind of like he didn't. She said, Jasper said, I am so slay, so I think he likes it. No, he's just copying you because he wants your approval. And this is the kind of woman he's trying to get approval from. I hope you know that you're not setting him up for a good path in life because you don't want women who dress like this to be overtly influencing your son. I'm sorry. I'm not saying this to be super judgmental. Honestly, you can wear whatever you want, but... You have a son and you need to recognize that as a parent, you have a lot of responsibility to him to not make it, first of all, so that he's bullied because God forbid this woman decides to start an OnlyFans. I don't see the father in the picture either. So it sounds like you're failing him on multiple levels and you're trying to play this off like, oh, look at me. I'm so fun. I wear fluffy pink clothes. My son thinks I'm great. I don't think this is a good role model. Not at all. And I is I don't feel like this is child abuse either, but I feel like this is a terrible decision on her part. I feel like her judgment isn't fully developed. I feel like her understanding of life as a 22-year-old is not sufficiently like nuanced to be fully influencing her kid like this. I just don't think it's good. But let me see what you guys are thinking. Maybe you are less judgmental than I am. Adrian says to encourage her son getting for attention. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, let's see. Zach says Hastings Street is dangerous too. That may be something like Colfax Avenue in Colorado where there are ladies of the night who walk up and down that street and know it is not safe either. Zach says embarrassment is a part of life? Question mark. It is. That's true. But I don't think you should be intentionally exposing your kid to it. I think that's very silly. I think you should be kind of both teaching your kid how to deal with embarrassment from an early age and also kind of fortifying him against it, telling them it's not the end of the world and also that they can kind of avoid it by kind of trying to go along with the rest of the world. Adrian says she's raising the next Rorschach. Possibly so. Zach says that's how children turn transgender. Yeah, so over the course of that article, there was nothing in there that looked like 
um, she was trying to influence him to change his gender. Um, and as far as we know, it might just encourage him to be like, oh, you know, I'm a boy, but you know, everything's cool, whatever goes, it might make him very non-judgmental, I suppose. Oh, you know what? The other thing I wanted to mention before we close tonight was this. So this is Sawyer Hackett, who is living up to his own name. He is a hack. And this is his tweet. Holy ish. Texas Republicans introduce a bill to give huge tax cuts to straight couples for having children with up to 100% cut in property taxes for 10 kids. The bill's author said, get married, stay married, be fruitful and multiply. He says this is Handmaid's Tale ish. So speaking of judgmental. Interesting. So this first comment is Republicans are only pro-life until birth, probably quoting something that Sawyer said and then said, you're not pro-life ever, Sawyer. Greg says, Sawyer, what are your thoughts on commercial surrogacy? Very interesting question. Douglas adds, raising children well surpasses any material goal in life and should be encouraged by society. Our prisons are full of kids from broken families and our cemeteries are filled with them and their victims. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and someone else adds, yeah, dude, conscription to sex slavery is definitely the same as tax cuts. Solid take. Yeah. Incentivizing couples to stay married and work it out. Honestly, this looks really cool. So let's read this detail that Sawyer chose to highlight. 100% if the qualifying married couple have 10 or more qualifying children. 90% if they have nine kids. 80% if they have eight. So on and so forth. That honestly sounds amazing. We'll see if it goes anywhere in Texas, but that's kind of a pretty cool policy. One of the things that Hungary did to reverse their own dipping birth rates was say, we are going to give you tax breaks if you have something like four or more children. And that actually worked incredibly well, like really well. I think they they totally reversed their dipping um, birth rates in their country. And I think that they have a bunch more big families than they ever did before. Now, on the flip side, you also can't incentivize delinquent fathers. You can't incentivize women to leave their husbands and you can't incentivize, you know, um, fatherless children. Uh, so you could probably sufficiently suspend the welfare conditions in your state to the point that, you know, both parents have to be involved. The kids have to be like actively involved in all sorts of other stuff. And you actually have to be married or whatever in order to receive welfare. I think that would be a great step in the right direction. If this is the direction that Texas wants to go, it might not be the spill might not go anywhere. It's just proposed. So we'll see what happens then. Adrian says that reminds me of the girl from the movie, the crow. I have not seen that. KC says, non-story, young parent BS. Yeah, it really is kind of a non-story. I just thought it was interesting, and I am troubled by watching Gen Z now starting to raise children. Um, I don't think that's going to end very well, unfortunately. Let's see what our poll says, and then we will close for the evening. So 51% of people say they eat processed foods occasionally. Some people say every week. Very few people say every day. Very, very, very few people say never. No, really. And I didn't think many people would either, for sure. Because it's hard to stay completely away from highly processed food, especially if you're in a hurry and if it's the only option you have. All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining me. I'm losing my voice, so I'm going to call it good. It's been a wonderful 100 episodes. I feel like we've really grown. If you like, you guys are more than welcome to tweet interesting stories at me at Sour Patch Lids on Twitter. That's where I am definitely most likely to see them. I will be back here at the same time tomorrow night. So until next time, bye guys.
how's it going?